Is LeBron the runaway favorite for MVP 18 games into this NBA season? Let's go. Early into this NBA season, not surprisingly, the Bucks, with the best record in the Eastern Conference at 15-3, and are being led by last year's MVP. And the Lakers, at 16-2, and with the best record in the entire NBA, being led by LeBron James, averaging 25 points, 11 assists, and 8 rebounds. So the question is, is LeBron... With the Lakers having the best record in the league, with him averaging a double-double, leading the league in assist, is he the MVP favorite? A lot of people are putting it out there and basically saying it's his to lose. I'll say this. If the Lakers should finish with the best record in the league, you can book it. It's going to be his. But one game separates these two teams. We're 18 games into the season. This is going to have to play out. And the way I see it, last year's MVP is better than he was last year. Giannis, 31 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, a block and a half, a steal and a half. The best big in basketball. Let me say it again. He is the best big in basketball. He is that unique. Giannis is a center, and I've been saying this all along. We don't see him as a center because he can generate offense from the wing. He can start attacking you from full court when he grabs a rebound. He can go the length of the floor and dunk on everybody on your team. He's that dude. He can bully ball your center. He can overpower a three or a four. He's unique. We've never seen anything like this, but he is a big. The scary thing is, I think he can get better. I don't think he's done. And let me say this, fam. I'm honest enough to, I'm honest enough, trust me, I'm honest enough to admit, when I watched him earlier in his career, maybe a couple of years back, I thought raw, physically gifted, but I didn't see what a few people saw. And I can admit that when I look at him over the last couple of seasons, not just how he's improved with his footwork, not just how he's improved as a defender, as a facilitator, his work ethic, his want to, his competitive nature is what makes him unique. I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP, but I will say this. As well as LeBron is playing, it will take the Lakers finishing with the best record in the league for him to take it away from Giannis. And that's what he'll have to do. He will have to take the MVP away. Because what Giannis is doing is he is dominating and he doesn't have a second top five player on his team. I like Chris Middleton. Very good player. He's not a top five, not a top 10, not a top 15 player. He might be a top 20 player. AD is a top five player. And what Giannis is doing, he is literally carrying that team on his shoulders. 
I'm loving how everybody's so involved in the MVP talk this early in the season. So, yes, Giannis, LeBron, you have to respect the numbers that Luka is putting up with the Mavs. He's almost averaging a triple-double. And, yes, he's a legit MVP candidate. But he's not going to win it. Barring an injury, this is going to come down to two players, LeBron and Giannis. I'm going to give James Harden the puncher's chance. Anybody that averages 36 points, six rebounds, and almost seven and a half assists per game will always be in the MVP conversation. And look, a lot of people come down on Harden. They talk about how he's manipulated referees. What I'll say to that is this. He's not doing anything illegal. And in this era, he's not the only guy that flops. He's not the only guy that knows how to act or exaggerate contact. He's just the best at it. When you look at the top 10 players in the league, I've seen Giannis exaggerate contact. Not on the level like hard nobody does. But LeBron has done it as well. I'll say this to, to what Harden has done. If you're an analytics person, Harden has cracked the code to analytics. He's found a way to beat that system. If you're a numbers guy, you love James Harden. And if you're a numbers guy, his style of play, the system that they play in and how he dominates the ball, he will always put up huge numbers. The ability to get to the free throw line 15, 16 times a game. That's unique, but that also is unique and caters to this era. He's not the only one doing that. He's the best at it. Luka gets to the line 9 or 10 times a game. Luka is getting calls that guys 7, 8 years into their career don't get. My only problem with the NBA and the refs is consistency because those same calls that James Harden is getting right now, he almost never gets in the playoffs. When they allow more contact, when they allow the game to become somewhat physical, those foul calls, those 14, 15 trips to the line that he normally gets, that doesn't happen. And I don't understand that. If it's a foul in the regular season, I'm just being 100. If it's a foul in the regular season, it's a foul in the playoffs. But I digress. Let's get back to the MVP. So in order, I got Giannis number one with LeBron a close second. Luka third and Harden fourth. I think those four will remain the top four throughout the season. So I was talking with H and we were talking about how many legit franchise players are there in the NBA right now today. And I think there are about five, not counting rookies, not even counting second year players. I think there are about five right now today. All due respect to Luca, who I think is ascending towards being that dude. I will say this. He is absolutely no question on track to be a superstar slash franchise player. But the way I do things is you have to have a resume. And he's creating an early one right now, but he hasn't played three, four, or five years. And I get, 
Some people are unique, like a LeBron, and come out right out the box and establish themselves as dominant. But looking at the league right now, for example, you know what? Take a guy like Anthony Davis. Often, you'll hear pundits left and right agree that he is a generational talent. I don't even disagree with that. I think he is a generational talent. But I don't think Anthony Davis is a franchise player. I don't think he checks all three boxes. And I think there are very few guys that do. And when I say all three, I mean you're an all-star. You're a perennial all-star. You make multiple all-star teams. You're a superstar. That's box number two. You've established yourself as a superstar. So you're more than just an all-star. You're next level. And then box number three, you're a franchise player. You're great enough to carry a team and be the best player on a team in the finals. You're that guy. And I know all great players haven't won titles. Everybody doesn't have it that charmed. But I'm talking about somebody that checks all three boxes. As great as James Harden is, no question all-star. No question superstar. James Harden, since he's been a rocket, has put up massive numbers. Won an MVP. And has probably been in the top three in MVP voting the last three or four years. So I'm not questioning I would never question, let's say, his regular season greatness. But the NBA isn't just about the regular season. There's, there are two seasons. And let's, let's agree on this. In the second season, James Harden has been a much lesser version of his regular season self. Matter of fact, I think James Harden is very similar to someone like Peyton Manning, who in the regular season might be the greatest regular season quarterback of all time if you look at his numbers. But in the playoffs, often struggled. Maybe it was the pressure of the situation or the weight of carrying a team. I think James Harden checks two boxes. And look, his career is not over. He may very well ascend and check off three boxes, but right now he's an all-star. He's a superstar. I don't think he's good enough to be the best player on a championship winning team. And he's not the only one like that. I think AD is in the same box right now. And the truth is, as long as he's playing with LeBron, as well as he's played, the numbers that he's put up, he won't be seen as really as a franchise player. He will become a Pippen, which is a great player, a Hall of Fame player, but a sidekick nonetheless. You look at Joel Embiid, all the talent in the world. Maybe his one weakness is health. You don't know if he's conditioned well enough or if his body or his lower body is failing him, but can post up, can dominate from the elbow in can be a force defensively, dominate the boards. Great passer as a big. But right now, I see him as an all-star and a superstar. I don't think he's made the leap to where you can honestly look at him and say he can be the best player on a title-winning team. And I'm going to keep it real. I think before the season started, I did a show, and I thought, and I said this, I had the Sixers. I really had the East being a two-team race between the Bucks, the Sixers, and giving the Raptors a puncher's chance because I liked the remaining talent 
on Toronto without Kawhi. I knew Siakam was on the rise. I knew Siakam was ascending to an all-star level. Say what you want. As well as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum has played, and they've played great, neither one of them is a better player than Siakam is right now. But when I look at the Sixers, I don't see any improvement from Ben Simmons or Embiid. They're two best players. Ben Simmons, right now today, is the same player he was as a rookie. And look, if he's plateaued, if you tell me right now, look, Mo, crystal ball, I've looked into it, and it said for the next five years, Ben Simmons is going to average between 16 and 18 points a game, seven or eight rebounds, and seven or eight assists. That's probably good enough to be an all-star and to be an impact player. But that's not good enough to make him a superstar, definitely not a franchise player. And with Embiid, at times with him, you never question the talent. You do worry about the health. But I also sometimes question his commitment, that want to. I've seen guys just outwork him. And if you're going to be a franchise player, if you're going to carry a team, it's not enough that you're talented or you're, or you're gifted. you got to be competitive. you got to be a dog. And as gifted as, as, as Embiid is and as physically imposing as he can be, I don't see that dog. And until I do, he doesn't check all three boxes. Look at a guy like Nikolai Jokic. Jokic, the joker, can shoot from three, can pass like a point guard. You can, they run their offense through him can rebound the ball, can score on every area on the floor. But he don't get that dog in him. I like the Joker. And very in a similar way, as I've watched the Nuggets, and you know I ride, I love the Nuggets. I love their depth and their talent. But when I look at Joker, I don't see a guy that's really committed or a guy that has that dog in him. As talented as he is, he has the mentality of someone who's a number two or a number three option. He shouldn't be averaging 16 or 17 points per game. Jokic should be averaging 25, 28 points a game, 13, 14 rebounds. Look, the six or seven assists are nice, but he needs to be dominant. He needs to establish himself as the number one option on that team, as a leader. Which is why, as impressive as the Nuggets have been record-wise, I still look at them as that team that's lacking something, lacking a leader, lacking a true number one option. Not that they don't have someone who has the talent to be a number one, but not anybody on that roster that's stepping forward. And you know who I'm talking about, the Joker. No one is stepping forward saying, this is my squad. Get me the ball. I got this. I'm looking at guys like Kawhi Leonard. I think Kawhi checks all three boxes. And while I know load management has become a big thing to talk about, I actually think with him, it's something more long-term. I don't just think he's taking games off. I think the Raptors and the Clippers are both covering for him. I think they're managing his health. They're managing his body for the long-term. I think Kawhi Leonard has something maybe degenerative, something, because when you watch him, he labors at times. And then at other times, he seems to have a little bit more spring in his step. 
So when we talked about how he struggled physically during the playoffs last year, but he somehow managed to muster up just enough strength, just enough athleticism to gut out the playoffs and eventually win the finals. That was about heart, but he labored at times even then. When you look at the Clippers with all their talent, the hype about them was what he and Paul George would do as a team, as a tandem. But I've watched him struggle. Look, his last eight games, he shot under 40% five times. And that's very un-Kawhi-like. And you can tell he doesn't, he, look, everybody that's ever seen him shoot, his jump shot is flat to begin with. But he usually gets good lift off his legs. He's barely getting off the ground. He's still laboring at times offensively. He's struggling. He's forcing the action. And it just looks like there's something more going on with him. As a fan, I hope I'm wrong. I hope maybe what it is is just a nagging injury that he'll 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 find a way to fight his way through it uh, between him and the training staff. But I really don't think what's going on with him is really just him taking games off. I think that what the Clippers, what Doc Rivers is doing, they're taking fire for him because they'd much rather be talking about load management and him getting criticized for taking games off then talking about maybe him having something chronic going on and 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 letting the rest of the league know he has something chronic going on. I think they're covering. I think he's covering. I think Kawhi Leonard will never play 70 games again in his NBA career. And I don't think because he's he's taking time off or or he's just trying to uh you know really do load management. I think he's doing it because he has to. I think he's taking games off because his body is forcing him to take games off. Look, that's just my two cents on it. If you disagree, you know me. I respect your opinion, but you got to respect mine. Big picture, Kawhi Leonard probably won't ever win a regular season MVP, but it wouldn't surprise me if he won two or three more finals MVP. He's the type of player that any franchise would want in terms of being a leader, in terms of what he can give you on both ends of the floor. Is there a trade-off when you have to do load management? Because, again, if his body is failing him, the best thing any franchise that he plays for can do is to preserve him at all costs. But I want to get back to the bigger topic. Give me your five or ten players that check off all these boxes. Maybe you think it's a Dame Lillard or a Jimmy Butler or someone on that level. Put that name out there. I'm fine with listening to it. Maybe even someone who we recognize as an all-star but doesn't get as much shine. Maybe someone like a Clay Thompson. How many boxes does he check? I also believe this. You can be a superstar and not a franchise player. But if you're paired with a legit franchise player, I think you can actually elevate each other's game. No, Kyrie's not a franchise player, but put Kyrie with an elite talent. We've seen what he did with LeBron. They elevated each other's game. They went to those finals. 
and both of them played big. And when the money was on the line, Kyrie hit that monster shot right over Steph. So I do think players, when you get to a certain level, you can help each other elevate. I think you can help each other shine in different ways. But I do still think the list of guys that ultimately check those three boxes is so very short. If you disagree with me, give me your players and tell me why you think they check all three boxes. And if you're looking for other examples, take guys like Devin Booker, gifted, talented scorer, young guy who's on the rise, a guy like Donovan Mitchell, another gifted, talented scorer. I think they're both on the same level. They're all-star caliber players, but I think they check just that one box right now. That doesn't mean that can't change as they develop, as their games elevate, as they elevate their teams. But right now, I think they just check one box. But they are both young and ascending players. On the flip side, take some veterans like LaMarcus Aldridge or his teammate DeMar DeRozan. All-star caliber players, they check one box. And because they're older players, that's probably the only box they're ever going to check. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you play in the NBA and someone says you were an eight-time all-star, And maybe you were never a superstar. That's still a terrific career. You might still end up in the Hall of Fame. But I'm just saying there really are levels to this. I like DeRozan and Aldridge. But they're not number one options in terms of being able to carry a team or be a franchise player. On a title winning team or a title contending team. Both of them are number twos, maybe even number threes, but they're definitely not number one. They're definitely not the alpha dog. And there's nothing wrong with that. Kyrie has as much talent as any player in the league. Just talented, gifted. There is nothing on the floor that Kyrie Irving can't do offensively. But that's his talent. How it plays out on the floor, he's special. He's no question an all-star. I even think he's had superstar moments. But he's not the kind of guy who can be the best player on a title-winning team. Kyrie can't carry a team. But he's a terrific number two. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're a number two on a team that wins three, four, five titles, you're a Hall of Famer. You're an all-time great. You're just not the best player on that team. You're just not that dude. Which brings me to a side thought. So I don't know which show it was. I think it was first take. And I heard Max Kellerman say something insane like Christoph Przingis before he was injured was on track to being the best player in the NBA. No, he wasn't. At no time was he on track to do that. He was really good. He had two really good seasons early in his young career. But he was averaging 19, 20 points a game, grabbing seven rebounds. And yeah, he can get you two or three blocks a game, but that's not from guarding someone straight up. So when Max says he's a great defensive player, no, he isn't. He's a really good weak side defender, but straight up guarding someone like a Towns, like an Embiid, like an Anthony Davis, eating alive. He's not a good defender. And when you put him in space and make him go side to side, eating alive. 
So while he's a good player, no question an all-star talent, he checks one box. Is he young enough to elevate and be better and check two or three boxes? No question. But as long as he is a member of the Dallas Mavericks, he is a sidekick. As long as he's a member of the Dallas Mavericks, the best player in that team is Luka Doncic, and it's not close. He is Luka's Pippen, and I don't know if he knows that or not, but he needs to wrap his mind around that. It's the cipher. Hit me up with the players that you think are franchise players, the players that you think check off all three boxes. And if I miss somebody, because I didn't really do a list, I just threw out a few names to give examples because this is a fun conversation, and we don't have to agree on it, but we can have fun going back and forth. Hit me up next time.